Arsenal get back to winning ways. Lacazette has found his shooting boots and the Gunners keep a clean sheet at Bramall Lane. The perfect preparation ahead of Thursday's big game. We're going to be looking back on Sheffield United 3. Sheffield United 3, they wish. Sheffield United nil. Arsenal 3 on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, we're going to be looking back at that brilliant victory over Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. As you can see, if you're watching on the video, I've got a big smile on my face because I watched Arsenal go out there, bounce back from a disappointing end to the game on Thursday, be professional, be... um, you know, clinical when it mattered, be defensively sound, cope with absences, i.e. Emil Smith-Rowe, uh, Martin Odegaard, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Kieran Tierney. I-, I just thought Arsenal did a really sound job tonight. And um, I think, you know, when there's been a lot of rumours over the last few days and there's been a lot of talk about Mikel Arteta potentially losing the dressing room, I think he needed a performance like this one. And listen... I'm not going over the top because I know that we played against a side in Sheffield United who are right at the bottom of the Premier League, who will be relegated come the end of the season. But the point is that that was not the performance of a group of players who do not support Mikel Arteta. Now, there may be a couple of players in behind the scenes, and I'm talking when I say a couple, um, I'm talking mainly about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who won't be too happy with the way things are going for him right now. Obviously, discipline disciplined um, ahead of the North London derby, left out of that one. And then, of course, left on the substitutes bench in a huge quarterfinal game the other night. So perhaps there's a little bit of something going on there. I don't know. Um, But for me, that was a performance of a team who were desperate to put things right, who were desperate uh, to get back on track. And listen, consistency has been the biggest problem for Arsenal this season, right? We've seen performances where we've, ripped teams apart and we've been defensively stable for the most part of the game on more than one occasion this season. The problem is that they haven't come consistently enough. The problem is that we can be good enough for 80 minutes and then we can fall asleep and we can make an individual error that completely swings the pendulum. So in general, you know, I think that was obviously a a decent result for Arsenal and and the fact that we kept the clean sheet and we go into to Thursday's game with a renewed confidence, I think is big and it's really big. Talking about the game tonight, I think when we all saw the team come out, when we all saw the lineup announced, we all thought that Bukayo Saka was going to be playing at left back. We all thought that Danny Ceballos was probably going to play, if not as a as a as part of a flat midfield free, because I felt like Mikel wouldn't want to veer away from the 4-2-3-1 that served him so well lately or served him better in the second half of the season. I felt like he was going to, um, as I say, either put uh, Sabayos in a more advanced midfield position or, or play him as part of the three. 
He didn't do that either. He played Granite Xhaka at left back to many people's surprise. And I know, again, it wasn't against particularly strong opposition, but to be fair to Granite Xhaka, I thought he did a really good job of it. I thought he uh, marshaled that position well, never really got caught out, never really got tested in terms of players running on the outside of him, trying to beat him for pace, which we know is something that he would have struggled with just because of his profile as a player. But I thought he marshaled the position really well. And there was an interesting tactical tweak, um, you know, where there was an interesting tactical tweak where you would see Danny Ceballos uh, pulling out onto the left-hand side. And it was almost as though Xhaka would play a little bit more narrow than the left-back would if it was Cedric or if it was Kieran Tierney. and and then that would allow Ceballos to then pull out to the midfield and Martinelli to tuck inside. It was a little bit strange in terms of the way it actually panned out. And Partey, a lot of the time, was left in the middle of the park by himself. I thought he coped with that really well today. Um, looked fitter. I think game by game, he's starting to look fitter and fitter. And obviously uh, delivered a wonderful pass for Lacazette for the third goal. So fair play to Thomas Partey. I think um, the, the tactical sort of approach from Mikel Arteta today was was really interesting. And I'm going to do a little bit more of a deep dive on that um, on Monday's lunchtime show. So um, keep your eyes peeled for that one because I'm going to focus in on it, have a look at uh, what exactly was going on, what I think the thinking might have been behind it and how it worked and how it helped us to deal with Sheffield United. Because I think, you know, and I know it's an, a, a tactic that, that's attributed to Chris Wilder, but Sheffield United play in a very specific way. I think they've slightly tweaked that under their caretaker manager, but there's still that option of the the centre-backs bombing on on the outside. And and I think what Mikel Arteta did was he adjusted the team uh, to not only cope with the absence of a left-back, to not only cope with the absence of Martin Odegaard um, and Emil Smith-Rowe, but I think he did, uh, he made a slight tweak to, to protect us against that as well. So um, it'll be good to to look into that in a little bit more detail. And I will do that for you guys, as I say, uh, tomorrow. Let's quickly go over to the live chat. Big hello to everybody joining us uh, right now. Hope you're all well. Um, don't forget, hit the like button. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, if you're new and if you're interested in becoming a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. Big shout out in particular uh, to Keir Ellis, who says that win was for my uncle, who was a huge gunner, uh, sadly passed away yesterday. Keir, my condolences, uh, my friend, to you and your family, mate. I hope um, hope everyone's uh, doing as, as well as possible, given the circumstances. And uh, may he rest in peace. And um, I'm sure he would have uh, been watching that and uh, sat with a smile on his face. So uh, my condolences to you and your family, mate. All the best. Um Let's uh, see what else you guys are saying. Um, Rory, uh, one of our members, he says, that is what I wake up at 2 a.m. for. Brilliant performance tonight. It was indeed. It was a really good performance without being an amazing performance, in my opinion. It was a functional performance and there were flashes where Arsenal looked really, really good. But in truth, we didn't have to hit a higher level to beat this Sheffield United side. And that's why you didn't see Arsenal, you know, accelerate and, and put more goals away or, you know, try and put the game to bed earlier. I think, obviously, Thursday is in mind. It's it's massive. It's huge for the context of our season. You know, I think, uh, although we won today and, of course, Spurs lost, I still think qualifying for Europe via the Premier League is going to be uh, a tall order. I said a couple of weeks ago that I'd look at it again in three or four games' time. So I'm going to stick by that and we'll reassess it 
But for now, I think it still looks a tall order. I think it still looks difficult. And the Europa League still, for me, remains the priority. So um, it was nice to see Arsenal be professional in the sense that they went out, they won the game, they did what was necessary. But I don't think they they blew a gasket, if you like, ahead of uh, what is going to be vital, uh, a vital trip uh, to Prague. Just talking about some of the individual performances, I thought that... Um, that uh, Nicolas Pepe looked pretty good again today, effective anyway. I know he, you know, sometimes he gave the ball away. I don't mind players giving the ball away in the final third if it's because they're trying to make something happen. And I think at times, you know, we talk, we're in the kind of age of stats, aren't we, where we look into stats a little bit, maybe too much. And I think one of the stats that people look at in particular is the pass completion. And I always say, if you're a centre-back and you're only playing the ball left to your other centre-back colleague, or short into the midfielder who's dropped deep, then naturally your pass completion rate should be a lot higher than somebody who's in the final third trying to play a killer pass, which is incredibly more difficult, who's trying to breach a defence and has to take risks. So I wouldn't read into Pepe giving the ball away. You know, he did it on a few occasions, but all of the forwards did today. Um, You know, Lacazette a couple of times, Saka... Uh, didn't use the ball as as well as I'd have liked him to, not for the first time, but again, um, you know, he still had a pretty decent game. And I guess the only downer on tonight, the only disappointment is the fact that Bukayo Saka had to go off injured. And we don't know the extent of the injury. We're hoping it's just a dead leg and he'll recover from it uh, by the time we we travel to Prague. But, we, you know, with Emil Smith-Rowe a doubt, with Martin Odegaard a doubt, and, and now potentially Bukayo Saka, that is obviously a problem. I thought Arsenal pressed really well um, and it was a lot more aggressive tonight. And I don't put that down to other players sort of having a lack of effort um, in sort of previous games. And there's been a lot of talk about Aubameyang not not having an effort, not making enough effort. I actually think that with Aubameyang, it's sometimes you expect, like as fans, we expect things from players that is just not part of their game. And Aubameyang is not a presser. Aubameyang is not going to drop deep and hold the ball up. Aubameyang is not going to uh, get involved in the link-up play as much as Lacazette does, but he will run in behind more. He will um, stretch teams more with his pace and his athleticism. So they're just two different players and they bring different things to the game. I think what Lacazette does is he brings others into the game more than Aubameyang does. And I think when Aubameyang's in the team, we're heavily reliant on his goals. And when he's not in the team, I think other people step up to the plate. I think other people get into those positions. Other people get involved with Lacazette more so than they do with Aubameyang. And I think overall, without Aubameyang, we are more balanced. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he's a top, top striker. And he's a striker who has scored 20 plus goals in the Premier League every season he's been here. Every full season he's been here. Um, doesn't look like he's going to achieve it this time around, but he still has that capability. And so as much as I think we look more balanced without him, I do feel a little bit uneasy at the idea of of just completely overlooking him and leaving him out every single time now. Um, You know, I I talked about Martinelli sort of getting his goal and how good that was. You know, he'll score better goals in his career, but as I said, he, he got an opportunity it was handed to him by Mikel Arteta finally, and uh, he took it with both hands by getting on the score sheet. So fair play to Gabriel Martinelli. He picked up a bit of a knock himself, but carried on. You could see what it meant to him uh, to play for as long as possible and, and obviously make a contribution. And 
give Mikel something to think about. Uh, Thomas Partey touched on sort of his role in the midfield and, and the pass he played for Lacazette's goal was particularly good. But I guess the two players I want to give a massive shout out tonight in particular to are, first of all, Danny Ceballos. Danny Ceballos is, has got to be one of the most frustrating footballers I've ever seen in my life. And the reason he's the, one of the most frustrating footballers is because he can turn in performances like he did against Liverpool. And I know everybody was bad against Liverpool, but he was particularly bad against Liverpool. He's been a, a liability in some of the Europa League games, you know, where he's played OK and then he's made a, a complete hash of something and made a really bad mistake that's put landed us in the shit. Um and then he turns in performances like the one he did tonight, where he's playing in a slightly different role, a role that's a little bit alien to him, a little bit unfamiliar. He's energetic. He's all over the park. He's getting involved in everything. He's winning tackles. He's playing passes. He's got a swagger and a confidence about him by which he's then able to perform some wonderful bits of skill. I mean, there was one flick in the first half where Arsenal were on the break. The ball got played into him and he backheeled it beautifully um, into Lacazette, who then played the ball out to Martinelli on the left, who got shot away. And then, of course, his um, his uh, his contribution in the build-up to the first goal was, again, magnificent. Again, a wonderful flick. And so why is it that Danny Sabas goes from hot to cold? Why is it he goes from zero to 100? Why is it that he, you know, can be so good on one night and so bad on another? I think for me, he's a confidence player. And I think that when he's, when the, the start of the game goes well for Danny Sabas, the confidence flows through him and he starts to move the ball well. And and what was, was best about his performance tonight is that he moved the ball on quickly I said previously, and I know Pranjal's just just mentioned it in the chat as well, um, but the way I described him a couple of weeks ago was not press resistant. And that means that at times he can be got at because he takes an additional touch. He's a little bit slower. I think naturally as a central midfielder, what you do is you drop into a deeper area to get on the ball because you feel like in that position, you're less likely to be pressed, you're less likely to be harried, you're less likely to be rushed. But the reality is in the Premier League, particularly in the modern day where pressing is such a big thing, I think that there is no place on the pitch anymore as a midfielder that you can go and receive the ball um, and take your time and turn and have a look around. And I think Danny Sabal's at times falls into that trap, that false sense of security where he drops into areas thinking, yeah, I'll be all right here. Um and then he gets closed down or he turns into trouble. And, and you know, playing in a slightly different role today probably helped him because when he was receiving the ball, more often than not, he was on a left, sort of to the left. And obviously the press is going to be less um, less aggressive in that part of the pitch. So I thought that probably benefited him. But as I say, when Danny Sabal starts a game well, when Danny Sabal feels confident he can be a really talented player. And I tell you what, I think he will go on to have a really good career in Spain because I think that league just suits him a little bit more. I think that environment um, will bring the best out of Danny Sabas. But, you know, I've talked about him before. I, I don't think we should be going out to sign him this summer. It's clear that Real Madrid aren't going to allow us to take him on loan for a third time. But um, good performance tonight and credit credit where it's due. And the other player I want to shout out is Granit Xhaka. And I know 
a lot of you can't understand why I like Granit Xhaka and um, think that I, I praise him too much, etc., etc. But you know, you've got to talk about his professionalism tonight. You know, you've you've asked Granit Xhaka tonight, a central midfielder, to go and play at left back, and he's done it brilliantly. Um, yeah, the opposition wasn't great, but I don't think Mikel Arteta asks him to do that against a stronger team. That's the point. He he went in there, did a professional job, sacrificed his own game essentially to, um, you know, to do a job for the team, and that is why, um, you know, he's held in such high regard by his teammates, by the coaching staff, and yeah, he's got a, a difficult relationship with some sections of the fan base, but you know, he's he's always fit. He's always available. Obviously, he was ill the other day, but that's a rare occasion um, or a rare occurrence, I should say, when it comes to Granite Xhaka. He was available um, and I thought he did um, he did uh, really, really well again tonight. So uh, fair play to Granite Xhaka for not only turning in a good display, but doing it in a, in a position that isn't his own as well. Um, so really enjoyed that. I think... You know, going into this game today, it was very much like, well, does this game really matter? Um, you know, a lot of people would would say that I'm crazy for saying this. A lot of people would say that, of course, it matters. It's the Premier League and we need to finish up uh, as high as we possibly can. And I agree with that. But it was very hard in the lead up to this one to get motivated for it. Because when you concede a goal in the dying stages of a Europa League quarterfinal, the way we did on Thursday, all that's in your mind after that is about putting that right. And I talked about it at the beginning of the watch along. This game for me felt like an unwanted distraction, a game that we just didn't need. But having come through it, I'm not going to say completely unscathed because we don't know what the deal is with Bukayo Saka, but having come through it, having played well, having seen a striker who you'd have feared would have suffered from a lack of confidence following what happened to him the other night. You know, you and, and the fact that we kept the clean sheet, you come away from it saying, actually, that game did us some good. And obviously, I feel positive and optimistic. And I felt optimistic about Thursday anyway. Um, you know, I, I was one of the, the few people that was kind of saying, let's not go into meltdown mode off the back of the 1-1 draw at the Emirates Stadium because there is a very good chance of Arsenal turning this around in the second leg. We have a chance. And I still believe we have a chance, but I feel more optimistic now having seen Arsenal go out there, put in a professional display, keep a clean sheet, score goals, create chances, etc., etc. Um, so, yeah, obviously it's, it's a, a welcome boost ahead of a season-defining game. You know, Mikel Arteta has been sort of under a lot of heat, under a lot of pressure uh, from sections of the fan base since the game on Thursday. There's been stories coming out about players falling out with him. There's been stories coming out about the dressing room not necessarily being happy. And I just feel like, and, and I can say this now as someone who works in the industry, I just feel like the vultures are always are always circling in this kind of world. And Mikel Arteta has made mistakes during his Arsenal tenure, right? There's no doubt about that. And I've been thinking about it a lot over the last sort of 24, 48 hours. And I'm actually going to do a podcast on it this week and where I'm going to talk about what I think were the mistakes. And I'm going to talk about how I think they had a negative effect and why I was so disappointed by them. And I'm going to do that because 
for some reason on social media and and over the last few days I've been sort of branded as this guy who will not criticize Mikel Arteta for love nor money um but I was very keen to criticize Unai Emery as if it was some kind of personal thing to Unai Emery and and I've you know I've heard some people saying and I've seen people saying it on Twitter and and social media that because I now work in the world of football on a full-time basis that I'm just trying to keep my powder dry. I'm trying to get in with the club. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And so I'm reluctant to criticise Arteta off the back of that. Whereas with Emery, that wasn't the case. Actually, that's that's not true because I was in Emery's last ever press conference. I was in the press box the night before Unai Emery got sacked. I was there. I was... I was part of the media that night. So, you know, it wasn't me acting one way to get in and now I've got the job. I'm I'm acting in a different way. No, you know, the, the, it's been consistent. But I've criticised Mikel Arteta on a lot of occasions this season. I've talked about a lot of things that I think were wrong. But that's been lost in the in the fact that I don't think he should be sacked right now. And And, and for me... Uh, that's not quite right. And that's why I'm going to do it because I think there are a lot of good points that can be made about sort of things and areas and, you know, situations that I don't think that Mikel's handled the way he should have. So we're going to look into that and we're going to do that tomorrow. So that'll be out uh, for those of you listening via the audio, that'll be out on Tuesday morning. Um, and uh, for those of you who uh, who watch on YouTube, you'll be able to catch that tomorrow evening. So uh, looking forward to doing that. And I, I'm looking forward to putting that together. Big hello to Craig as well in the live chat. Uh, hope you're well, mate. Uh, make sure you check out the same old Arsenal podcast as well. Uh, get over there, subscribe, subscribe on the audio, subscribe on YouTube. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be with the lads tomorrow because I'm working, but um, sending them all my best as always. And make sure you do go and check it out because uh I look forward to hearing uh, Dan Potts uh, talk about Granite Xhaka's uh, sterling display at left-back this evening. So make sure uh, you head over and check that out. Just a quick reminder that this podcast over the next few days is sponsored by La Bomb, the new football predictor game. And of course, uh, I'm involved in a competition this week with some of YouTube's fa- most famous football faces, uh, Rory Jennings, Elliot Hackney, Lawrence Boovey and Adam McCola. Uh, are all in the group with me. We're competing for a pot of money uh, on this predictions thing. And uh, at the moment, after day two, because obviously we had, uh, yeah, we had Saturday and we had Sunday's games today. Going into the final couple of games, I'm currently joint top with Rory. Uh, so uh, hopefully we can uh, we can steal a march on Rory uh, tomorrow and uh, and take the gold. Uh, but yeah, um, check out Le Bomb. The the link is in the description. Download it. It's the prediction slash betting game where you bet against your friends rather than the bookmakers. You set the stakes. You must be 18 and a UK resident to play. And um, yeah, check it out. It's great fun. Uh, It's been brilliant. Uh, And it's added some spice to some of the games that weren't so great this weekend or or weren't so appealing to me Um, anyway. But yeah, check it out. So yeah, overall, uh, really good, um, really good display tonight. And and look, the, the big caveat off the back of tonight is that it was Sheffield United. The big caveat is that they're not a very good side and they are relegation fodder and they are going to be relegated, although mathematically they're not quite there just yet. But, um, you know, 
when you're coming into the into the game off the back of a low, and although it was a draw against Slavia Prague, it wasn't a defeat. It wasn't the end of the world. You know, you wouldn't think that though, looking at Twitter and and all the other places after the game. Going into Thursday, it was important that if we did have a game in between, that it did ease the pressure. It did add something. It did put us in a better frame of mind, a better state of mind, and maybe boost the confidence a little bit. Because imagine how toxic it was on Thursday after Slavia Prague scored. If we had failed to perform um, at Bramall Lane, going into that game on Thursday, it had been even more toxic. And you can only imagine the meltdown that would have come off the back of it had we lost at Sheffield United. And then if we don't, you know, God willing, we do. But if we don't progress um, against Slavia on Thursday. So it's the perfect preparation, um, barring the the injury to Bukayo Saka. We hope he's, um, we hope he's, uh, he's back fit and available. We hope that maybe a couple of the others will will be available as well to at least be options, even if they're not starting. I think it's important that, you know, the Europa League more than any other competition is one that you can win um, or, or you can have a big say in based on how well you use your squad and your substitutes bench. Of course, five subs are permitted in the Europa League. Unlike the Premier League, where you can still only make three. I prefer three because I think five is too much. I think you you can completely change a game with your subs and it shouldn't be like that. I think it's an unfair advantage. I get why they've put it in for now because of obviously COVID and the, the impacts of the, the hectic schedule. But I hope they revert back to three because I think it sh- makes you a better, it shows the better managers when you've got to change a game with three subs rather than five. You've got three goes at it rather than five. Um, I prefer that. So yeah, hopefully it goes back to that way. But for now, while that rule is there, while that option is there, having as many players available and as many options available to Mikel Arteta as possible is uh, is massively important. Right, I'm going to leave it there. Um, I've got a smile on my face this evening. I'm pleased. I'm happy. Uh, we move forward and all the focus now shifts to that massive, massive game on Thursday. We'll be keeping you across all the latest news and updates via the Chronicles of Aguna over the next few days. So make sure you're subscribed if you haven't done so already. Make sure you click on the link in the description if you want to find out about our membership proposition. Download the Lobom app and uh, we will catch up with you very, very soon with more Arsenal content. But tonight, uh, Sunday night, we can sleep well because uh, we've beaten Sheffield United. We've kept the clean sheet. Alexander Lacazette's back amongst the goals. Gabriel Martinelli took his opportunity in the starting lineup by bagging one himself. And uh, Arsenal can now move into Thursday with some confidence. I'll catch you all soon. Until next time, take care. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.